Welcome to the Corporate Treasury 101 podcast. This is our fourth and last snippet of our series on counterparty risk management. In the previous episodes, we discovered what counterparty risk and its management is and what are its sources. We also talked about due diligence, um, pre-trade assessments and ongoing monitoring of these risks. In the episode of today, expect to learn why counterparty risk management is critical for corporate treasury departments, the main challenges arising from it, the type of regulations that affect this risk, and much more. Like always, we hope you will enjoy this episode. If that is the case, why not leaving us a review? Reviews are the best way to help podcasters since the algorithm of the different platforms then push forward the best rated podcast. And on top of that, it makes Osama and I very happy. So with all that being said, let's get on with the show. So again, why is counterparty risk management important in corporate treasury exactly? So we discussed a lot on this podcast, right? Um, but let's go back to our four pillars of corporate treasury, which you can find, by the way, in our ebook downloadable in the link in the description. So cash and liquidity management, financial risk management, corporate finance with funding and investment, and banking relationship. Yeah, indeed, on our ebook at corporatetreasury11.com, but also it's the first few episodes, right? Episode two, three, four, and five. Yes. Of the Corporate Treasury 101. Indeed. And so during those, we mentioned that banks are a third-party corporate treasury department has a lot of business to do with. They are the ones that you open a bank account with, meaning they often hold your cash at a certain point in time at least. They also are often the access door to the financial markets, allowing you to borrow or invest money. And they can also provide you with the financial instruments to manage your financial risks, such as derivatives like swaps, options, forwards, and so on. Okay, so we've talked about counterparty in the past. Sometimes they fail and you lose all your money, right? That's counterparty risk. The risk yes. of working with third parties outside of you. But banks don't usually fail, right? They're pretty big. So why is that a risk in corporate treasury? Indeed. So banks are too big to fail, right? That's a famous saying in, in the financial world. It's not completely true, though. Uh, I'm sure some former clients of the Lehman Brothers, for instance, will tend to disagree. But it's true that in general, big banks are unlikely to fail, especially since the new regulations and financial ratios they need to comply with since the crisis of 2008. But the logic is here. You might not want to put all your eggs in the same basket. If you are in need of a big funding, for instance, a revolving credit facility of $1 billion, let's say, on top of banks not agreeing, you might not want to have only one bank financing all this, because you would become extremely dependent on how this bank is doing in particular. Okay, so you'd rather have multiple banks participating, get a few hundred million from one place, a few hundred million from another, mm -hmm. which would like diversify your risk in a way, right? Yes. And so you'd be a bit more flexible um, in terms of the bank's terms changing as well, I guess, or exactly. their interest rates or policies changing. Spot on. And this will be the case then for all the counterparties, not only the banks. So the money market funds, that's something we tackled as, as well on the podcast. So you invest your in excess of cash in. The FX dealers uh, you use to hedge your foreign exchange exposure and so on. 
So there are quite a counterparties that corporate treasury departments have to deal with in the end. So it sounds like hedging against other banks by diversifying your bank portfolio. So that's an interesting one. Uh, here I was talking about the hedging of your financial risk, but indeed you can actually hedge against certain counterparties. Yes, that's quite precise and that's very in-depth, but that's something you can do. Absolutely. Okay, so what does the corporate treasury department, the treasury department of a corporation do exactly in this? What's what's the actual job? Yes. So typically the corporate treasurer himself, so the highest position in corporate treasury departments, helped by his team, of course, and with the involvement of the company's leadership, will define a policy when it comes to counterparty risk management. So it's like setting up how much you'd be willing to put on one bank, for yes. example? Exactly. So that's, and define what to do with counterparties having a certain credit rating, right? Uh, that's something we mentioned a little bit earlier in this episode. So you have uh, this, uh, rating agencies that rate certain financial institutions saying those ones is safe, uh, those ones are not safe. And the department is then responsible for respecting the policy, obviously, and force it and report on the different metrics. Um, are we compliant with the limit we've put for this counterparty? Uh, has the credit rating of this one change, should we adapt, and so on. So this consists of identifying, measuring, monitoring, and mitigating the risk associated with those counterparties. Okay, so it's, again, risk management, essentially. Yes. So the corporate treasury department is working on the policies defined by the group treasurer yes. to say, okay, this is our risk management strategy. This is the maximum we're going to have with any bank at any one time. And this is how we're going to structure our risk overall. Spot on. That's exactly okay. it. So what would be the challenges then? Because it's just if it's just implementing a policy, that seems very straightforward, no? Absolutely. So apart from the obvious, uh, well, do not lose any of the company's money, right? Whether it is its cash with investments or its capacity to finance its activity with funding, there are a couple of challenges arising from this. So the first one is, Balance the risk and reward strategy. As we mentioned a few times, the whole challenge of treasury is to find the sweet spot between not losing any of the capital allocated to a certain task, maintain the liquidity of the company at all costs, and get the highest reward possible. So all this finding was the best reward for very low risk opportunity. And counterparty risk management is all about that. Okay, so but what's the practicalities of actually executing that? What does it mean to implement of counterparty risk management strategy. Yes, and coming to this challenge in particular, so again, it all comes down to the risk appetite defined by the leadership of the company, of which the policy will stem from, obviously. Then the key is to establish a clear risk management framework, a re regulatory monitor, and manage risks, and evaluate the potential reward associated with the risks taken. Okay, any other challenges? Yes, another important consideration is the interdependence with other risks management. So foreign exchange and interest rates risk management, for instance. If you are a company that is highly exposed to those risks, you will need to take all those and the counterparty risk management in consideration before executing your deals. Same if you are very cash rich, for instance, or very dependent on external funding. And by all this, I mean, okay, let's say... I want to limit the number of swaps and options I have with a certain counterparty in terms of total exposure, because if they fail, I will not get my money back on this transaction. But what if I need a lot of those, a lot of foreign exchange risk instruments? Then I will have to diversify my portfolio of counterparties. Some are more reliable than others. Some have 
better prices than others. So all this impacts also the prices. So I need to properly take into consideration all those aspects and still come up with the best risk and reward strategy. Okay. So would an example of that be like negative interest rates? Like I know they had that recently in Europe. Yeah. So what would be the challenge a cash-rich company would have with negative interest rates, for example? Yeah, that's a super good example. So this market condition made it very uninteresting, obviously, for companies to just hold their cash, right? As they will lose money if just let on the bank accounts. So the smart thing to do was to invest it, even at a very low rate. But what if your counterparty risk management strategy was to avoid money market funds, for instance, and other investment instruments provider? This is where it becomes super interesting because you need to preserve the cash and the capital of the company. So you want to invest this money. But at the same time, your counterparty risk management and the whole leadership said, okay, let's avoid investing this cash. So this is where one of the challenges is um, quite challenging. I, I would imagine, I always thought that companies diversified between banks because of some sort of regulation. Like it would have been some, you know, you can't have like monopolies, mm -hmm. for example, in the market. So is there not like a compliance element to all of this as well? Yes. So that would be more on the bank side, actually. We have quick section on the regulations, um, but indeed for the banks, they all have, especially since the crisis of 2008, uh, very strict financial ratios to keep and counterparty exposure, depending on the credit rating of those counterparties. For corporates, it's a, bit, it's a bit different. You are a bit more free as you will not impact, let's say, a systemic system. But still, that's very much uh, to be taken into consideration indeed. So there's an element of due diligence on the corporate side as well. Absolutely. So the last challenge, and uh, this is the perfect transition to it, and the last challenge worth mentioning is the regulatory and compliance aspects of counterparty risk management. So due diligence, you said it, pre-trade assessments are a must as well. We mentioned it in this episode. And on top of that, companies cannot always do just what they want, and banks as well. With certain investment, fundings, hedging activities come a whole bunch of regulation. So companies and banks need to report uh, and have proper confirmations on deals, for instance. They need to respect, as said, certain financial ratios. They also need to be mindful of anti-money laundering, uh, with which counterparty I'm dealing, does it evolve, and fraud prevention as well. And all this without talking about the risk of reputation when associated with certain funds, countries, and so on. If I want to invest my cash with the highest reward, sometimes it will be, to say something, certain industries, such as, I don't know, oil uh, and gas companies that certain companies might not want to be linked with. So it is, again, a whole process to take into consideration. Okay. Do you know some of those regulations, Guillaume, off the top of your head? What are those regulations that come into this? Yes. Um, so this one is rather painful, so I'm going to try to be as um, summarizing as possible. But in a nutshell, so we have Basel III, for instance, which is a very famous one for the banks. It focuses on um, a set of international banking regulations, and basically it sets out capital requirements, liquidity standards, risk management guidelines, and so on. And the objective is to maintain adequate capital buffers to cover potential losses. In the US, we have the Dodd-Frank Act um, that was enacted in response of the 2008 financial crisis as well. Without entering into the details, it's um, in place to implement robust risk management policies, basically. In Europe, uh, we have the EMIR, the European Market Infrastructure Regulation. This is a set of regulations that governs over-the-counter derivative markets, and it makes you uh, comply with certain financial uh, ratios and how to uh, properly manage your counterparty risk management, basically. 
We also have ISDA, the International Swaps and Derivative Association, um, that provides standard legal documentation for derivative transactions. And last but not least, we mentioned it already, the KYC Know Your Customer, which is one that we tackled already in this episode. Could you describe derivatives again? Yes, so derivatives is all the financial instruments that are linked to an underlying asset. Meaning, um, I will receive in one month a thousand uh, million euros uh, from Euro, for instance, but I'm a US company. A derivative will be uh, forwards uh, in dollars that will be linked to this Euro transaction. So it's like a contract about a transaction that you can also use as an asset itself. Exactly. And that's it. Awesome. Thank you very much. Thank you. 